0: go to Romans 8 that's fine but um, we're going to go through this quickly in review but we're talking about our father's heart and then how that translates in prayer that uh, if we know God's heart then our prayer life will be different and if we know his heart then we understand that God desires to be as much a part of our lives as we will allow him to be as we call upon Him and receive help from Him whenever we need it, in whatever circumstance that we find ourselves. If we'll call upon Him, He'll answer, He'll be there. And it's through His love and through the ability to pray that we can invite God into our world and He can help us. uh, And that builds intimacy. In Matthew uh, 27, verse 50 and 51 it says and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, and behold the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and so that temple that separated us from the presence of God was torn in two from top to bottom. Romans eight thirty two. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Ryan, can you mute that for a second? All right, I think I'm okay. Romans 8 35 and to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword and realize they were facing all of that? Okay, verse 36. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, when we know that God loves us, then it doesn't matter what we're going through. But also in prayer, we're able to solicit God's help for our lives. And to me, that is so awesome. Verse 38, he says... For I am sure, I think the NIV says certain. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this whole week I've been thinking about Uh, Verse 32 in particular, how with him he will graciously give us all things. Isn't that awesome? What an incredible God and nothing can separate us. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. That's our responsibility. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, is, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. And then I want to share two scriptures out of Jeremiah and then we'll get into our main scripture in First Peter. But in Jeremiah 32, verses 16 and 17, This is how Jeremiah talks about God and his ability to help us. After I had given the deed of purchase to Barak, the son of Nariah, I prayed to the Lord saying, "Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, these are things that we need to remember. And then if you skip down in that chapter, verse 21 says, You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. So God has the ability to help us. Now, in saying all of that, I don't know why some prayers get answered and some don't. I don't know why he allows us to go through Some things and it never changes. And other times it does. That's his. Choice. My responsibility. Is to pray. Is to cry out to him. Is to seek him. Is to believe him. Is to trust him. His is to do the rest. But I want to be faithful. To do that. And here's what Peter says. In 1st Peter chapter 5. Starting in verse 6. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse 7 Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so, in looking at this, I just wonder how do we humble ourselves? I believe that we humble ourselves by coming before him and casting all of our anxieties on him. Because if we don't do that, then we're telling him we don't need him. And we can handle it on our own. And so prayer is a work of humility in our lives. When we come before him. We are saying, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your wisdom, your strength. Your peace, your joy, and whatever else we have need of from him. We're we're humbling ourselves and we're saying, God, this is it. And when we understand this. God is not our enemy, he's not against us, he's for us, he loves us so much and we need to rest in that truth that he loves us and that we can come before him. And we can cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. Why does God want us to humble ourselves and cast all our anxieties upon him? Because he cares for us, because he loves us. Again, this is not a God who is our enemy, who is against us. He is for us. He loves us so much and we need to rest in that truth. And I know I just said that, but I wanted to say it again. Because I want us to get this. Whatever we are in need of, he is our answer because he cares for us, because he loves us. And that's the bottom line. And again, we need to quit arguing with the fact that he loves us and accept it and accept his help in humility. Prayer keeps us close with God. Or if you're not close to God, prayer brings us close to God. It keeps us in an intimate, humble relationship with him. Prayer reminds us or it ought to remind us as we humble ourselves that God is God and we aren't. But he wants to be part of our lives. And through prayer, we can allow that. Now, if I'm going too fast, let me know because I'm going to get into some benefits of prayer. Okay, And I'm just highlighting some of them. I'm not getting through all of them. It is in prayer that we learn to trust God. Because we know He loves us. Prayer reminds us that God is sovereign. All powerful. All knowing. Everywhere and great. All at the same time. Because of scriptures like 1 Peter chapter 5, we learn that because he cares for us, we can cast all our cares, our concerns, our anxieties on him. In prayer, we are reminded that we can pour out our hearts to him and he hears us. I, I'm so thankful for that. And the scripture so many times talks about how God is so willing to hear us. And again, Romans 8:32, that with him will he not graciously give us all things that we have need of? In prayer, we can ask for wisdom and revelation, knowledge and understanding, reverence and counsel from God, so that we can walk in a manner worthy and pleasing of him. In prayer, we find his strength, his courage, his boldness. To face whatever trouble is before us. In prayer, we get to battle against all that comes against us. We go into a spiritual warfare, and we're able to secure victory, prevailing over powers that are greater than us, but not greater than God. Isn't that awesome? Through prayer, we we enter into a spiritual warfare. And, you know, I want to encourage you with this. It's not always dealing with the enemy. You can deal spiritual warfare by acknowledging how great your God is. Instead of magnifying our problems, we begin to magnify God. We magnify His greatness in our lives. We magnify His ability, His wisdom, His understanding. His love for us. I mean... Think about in prayer, we get to prevail over the enemy who is stronger than us, but not stronger than God. Mm. Hallelujah. Now, look, if you're not happy by the end of this, then you need to come back. In prayer, we give thanks to God for his promises and for the answer to our needs, even before we see it and even before we know we have the need. God knows the needs that we're going to have as human beings. And He's given us all of those promises so that He can meet that need. And so He's already got the answer before we already have the problem. And so before we see the answer, we can thank Him. We can praise Him. We can worship Him in prayer. Mm. Are you ready for this one? <laughs> in prayer. We find our ability to be still and know that He is God. Amen. You know, I'm telling you, my prayer life has changed since October. And I'm seeing how faithful God is. And I don't always have to be the one talking during prayer. I, can, I have learned to be more still and to know that he is God and to hear his voice than in any time in my life. And it's awesome. Because in prayer, I can I can stop trying to fix everything. I can stop trying to figure out how to solve problems. And I can rest in him and his promises and know that he's bigger than I am. He's greater than whatever problem we're facing. And he's got the answer. Oh, hallelujah. There's much, much more, but. Do we see how prayer brings us closer to God and we get to know him and feel known by him? Because we know that he loves us, we know that he cares for us and we can trust him. And isn't that what we're all looking for in in essence, in one way or another? We're looking to be seen, we're looking to be heard, we're looking to be known and to be loved and to love And we find all of that in prayer as we come close to our Father. And we find His heart towards us. And we know that it's going to be all right. We remember that the veil was torn and we can come right into the throne of God with confidence and boldness and find grace and mercies in our times of need. How incredible is that? I mean, we need to have a Salem moment every once in a while and we need to grasp this think about this the God of the universe the one who slung the stars in the sky the one who spoke it all into existence invites us to come before him because he cares for us and he loves us and he wants to help us this is the God of the universe the one who in Colossians says he holds all things together he's inviting us into his presence The veil was torn on purpose. It wasn't an accident. It's torn so that we can come before the God of the universe and we can ask of Him. And we can seek of Him. We can cry out to Him. And He will hear us. And He will answer us. He's not too busy. I don't know how He does it. All these people that He's got to contend with and deal with. Thank God He's God and I'm not. But it is awesome to know that the God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, everywhere has given us access to be with Him any time of the day or night, whenever we are in need. I mean, we need to you need to get these notes if you're not taking good notes. You need to, you need to ponder this. You need to think about that the God of the universe has invited us to come and be a part. Oh, my goodness. Why? Because He wants to be with us. He wants to be connected with us. And He's willing to help us. Isn't that awesome? He's willing to help us. How will He not with Him graciously give us all things that we have need of? Oh. We have an open invitation to come into His presence. Confident. That God will want to hear what we have to say. There is nothing. Everybody say nothing. There is nothing. No mistake, no past, no sin, no person, no shame that can block our access to God. Nothing. Hallelujah. What an awesome, loving Father's heart. I hope that we're feeling the magnitude of this truth and what it means that nothing can keep us away from God. Nothing. Nothing that the enemy says about you or to you. Nothing that anybody else says. Nothing that you've done. Can keep us from His presence. And yet, how many of us use prayer as a last resort? Unfortunately, he's usually the last person that we turn to when he should be the first. It's one thing to talk about it to other people and they can agree with you about how terrible it is. But if they can't fix it, what good is it? But when we come before Him, we can tell Him how it is and He can handle that, but then He's got solutions for it as well. Whew! Now if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 8 because we're going to be there for a while. But then we're going to come back to 1 Peter. And I want to share with you more out of 1 Peter. But I just want us to see that In Romans chapter 8, that when we pray, then not only do we have access to the Father's heart through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but then we have communion with the Holy Spirit. So prayer enables us to have communion with all three of them. My Bible in Romans chapter 8, before verse 12, it says, heirs with Christ. And so I want to read this, but we're not going to read 12 and 13. We're just going to start in verse 14. Romans 8, 14. But I want you to remember this heirs with Christ. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the son, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What is prayer? It's God's, our father's invitation to come and learn of his heart. And he says, look, I'm pouring out my spirit upon you. When we receive Christ, we receive the spirit as adoption to be his sons and daughters. And we cry out, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 16, the spirit of himself bears a witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, everybody say "heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. How awesome is that? Through prayer, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're heirs with God. Heirs with Christ. Provided all. Oh. See, I just wanted to stop after that. Fellow heirs with Christ, but we have to read the last of 17. <clears throat> provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You see, we want the air part, but we don't want the suffering part. Verse 18, now in my Bible, it talks about future glory. Okay, between 17 and 18, future glory. So let's read about it. And this is after he said, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be be revealed in us. How many of us believe that when we're going through a difficulty? Woo. For the creation waits with eager longing to be for the revealing of the sons of God and the daughters. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know... That the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And we'll pause there for a moment. So he's talking about how creation is groaning, but how we as God's sons and daughters Until we receive that perfection, we groan inwardly as well. And this is a work of the Holy Spirit in us as well. If we're not moved by the things that we see going on in the world, you have to ask yourself, are you saved? Is the Spirit of God living in you? If you can't see that they need the God in us, then you're not living in this world or you don't know the Holy Spirit. Verse 24 For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. That's a bad word, isn't it? (laughs) We wait for it with patience. Verse 26 Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Isn't that awesome? And and so you come to that place in your prayer time before the Lord, and, and you're just at a loss for words because it's so much. It's so great. It's so overwhelming, and you don't know how to pray. And so you learn to be still and to be quiet before him and to listen to him. And then the Holy Spirit begins to pray through you. What an awesome God. And then verse 27, and as we allow the Holy Spirit to work and, and to move through us when we're at a loss, he says this in verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So when we begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, then we're praying according to the will of God. How awesome. Is our God. That allows that to happen. In our lives. And the scripture also speaks about Jesus always living to intercede for us. Prayer is not just something we do. But it's an avenue for us to get to draw close to God. Find his heart towards us and towards all that he has made. And make it known to this world. We establish an intimacy with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. We find God's heart, our father's heart. And prayer is not a chore. It is something it's not something we have to do. It's a privilege and a joy to know our father's heart even more. If you'll turn back with me to first Peter, chapter five, I want to break verse seven down real quick. This is so awesome. You know, I I usually get triply blessed. Diana sometimes gets doubly blessed. But this, I'm almost certain you're going to be blessed from this. First Peter chapter five, verse seven. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. I want to look at the word casting first. It, it's from a Greek word, compound word, epi, ripto. Epi is the first part. E-P-I, ripto, R-I-P-T-O is the second half. Epi means upon, as a, on top of something. Ripto means to hurl, to throw, to cast. It often means to violently throw or to fling with great force. Got it? Let me read it. That again. Casting. Two words. The first part is upon as on top of something. The second part, ripto, to hurl. To throw, to cast, it often means to violently throw or to fling with great force. Now, this word that Peter uses for casting all your anxieties on him is only used one other time in the New Testament. And it's used in Luke chapter 19, verse 35. Let's turn there. <laughs> but hold your finger in first Peter five, seven, because we're going back. Luke 19.35. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing. Everybody say throwing. Throwing their cloaks on the colt. They set Jesus on it. This is Palm Sunday event. The triumphal entry. And. Jesus is getting ready to come, and the people gather together. They, you know, the cult is brought back, so they're flinging their clothes, their cloaks on the colt, on the donkey, and then they put Jesus on him. And so this passage in Luke really portrays the secular literature. Picture of this word. The flinging of a garment, bag, or excess weight off the shoulders of a traveler and onto the back of some other beast, such as a donkey, camel, or horse. Think about this. They wouldn't let Jesus go into the city, getting ready to be crucified, carrying the burden. This is the picture we can get from this. Carrying that burden. They take their cloaks, they throw them on the colt, then it says they put Jesus on it. And so, this is symbolic of the colt carrying the burdens. That Jesus is getting ready to take. Which are our burdens. And Peter uses that same word. To describe what Jesus is going to do for us. In other words. Peter is saying. Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for us. So in other words. Whatever is. Whatever baggage what we have. Whatever excess weight we're carrying. While we're traveling on this road. We can throw it over onto the back of Jesus Christ. And now He will carry it for us. Our bodies are not designed to carry the burden of worry, fretting, and anxiety. This load is too much for the human body and our central nervous system to tolerate. And so... Peter is letting us know that Jesus is calling out to us saying your shoulders are not big enough to carry the burdens you're trying to bear by yourself. This load will eventually break you. So please let me be your beast of burden. Wow. Take the load and heave it with all your might. Fling it over onto my back and let me carry it for you. What an incredible God. Just like in Luke 19.35, a cult carried the burden of Jesus, so Jesus wants to carry our burdens, but we have to throw them off and onto Him because He cares for us. Now, I would be happy to stop there. But it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares on Him. our anxieties on Him. How many anxieties can we cast on Him? All. All. Okay, so whatever the reason is for your anxiety, this Scripture says you can cast it onto Jesus now. So anxiety means cares, but it means more than that. It means, now listen to this. This is so amazing. It means any affliction, difficulty, hardship, misfortune, trouble, or complicated circumstance circumstance that arises as a result of problems that develop in our lives. I'm going to read that again. And then I have one more thing to add concerning this, because we struggle with this, but I'm telling you, it's true. Anxiety. Any affliction, difficulty, hardship, misfortune, trouble or complicated circumstance that arises as a result of problems that develop in our lives. And we're talking anything that concerns us, even I'm glad y'all are sitting down. Brian, you might want to sit down. Even if it came from your sin. Even if the trouble comes from your sin, Jesus said, if you will repent, you can throw that off on me and I will carry your burden. There's nobody like him. Nobody. Nobody. I don't know anybody who's willing to do this for us. Regardless of where our concern comes from, we can throw it off onto Him. We can give it and place it on Jesus' shoulders and let Him carry it for us. And let me remind you, there is nothing too big or too small for us to talk to Him about to throw on His shoulders. And why? Because He cares for us. And why does He care for us? Because He loves us. And that brings me to the last part of this verse. That we're to cast all of our anxieties on Him. Because He cares for us. The word cares for us. Or cares. It means to be concerned. To be thoughtful. To be interested. To be aware. To notice. Or to give painful and meticulous attention. I don't know how much more I can take of this. Peter uses this term to let us know that Jesus does indeed care about what is happening to us. He is interested in every facet of our lives. Let me read that word cares one more time. To be concerned, to be thoughtful, to be interested, to be aware, to notice, or to give painful and meticulous attention. So whatever we're going through, for whatever reason that is happening in our lives, Jesus Cares about it. He's paying attention to it. He he knows what we're going through. And he's saying. I understand that. Now will you please. Cast. Your cares. Your anxieties. On me. Throw them on my back. And I. Will carry. Them. For you. We don't have to carry the whole weight of the world by ourselves. Jesus loves us so much and is so deeply concerned about us and the difficulties we are facing that He calls out to us today, roll those burdens over on me. Let me carry them for you so we can be free. If that doesn't want Or get you to want to pray, nothing will. Nothing else will. To know that God loves us that much that He's willing to allow us to roll everything onto His shoulders, to cast it onto Him, to fling it onto Him. As we get ready to share communion this morning, let's do it with a renewed desire to pray and experience God's love, all of his love for us. As we understand his heart, and we understand it even more through prayer. Through that intimacy that God says, I'm here. I'm available. You need wisdom, I got it. You need strength, I got it. You're weak. Don't worry about it. I'm strong. It's weighing you down. Don't worry about it. Roll it onto me. Cast it onto me. Fling it onto me. I'll carry it for you. Whew. What an incredible God.